Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Thank you guys for coming today. I'm so glad that you're here. Either that's the Holy Spirit or that's feedback. It's feedback. You have to wait till the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't enter my sermons until about the 34th minute. And I'm starting to get ready and we're just coming into it. All right, thanks. All right. Jesse's single ladies, I'm just saying. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. All the single ladies, put your hands up. All right. I want that in the podcast. I think that that would be a good thing. <laughs> Welcome to Venue Airdrie. I'm, I, I'm really glad that you're here. Um, for, I seriously want that in the podcast. Uh, <laughs> we're going through the life and times of Moses, who, who uh, was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Now, we opened last week with kind of a shocker that we all secretly think that we're humble, but we're all not. We just think that way. And so what we have to do is redefine what humility looks like because Moses, uh, the, the early scriptures were written, in, and the, all the scriptures were written like this, but the Holy Spirit spoke to the author Moses when Moses wrote about himself. Now Moses was very humble, the most humble man on the face of the earth. Now because you and I don't understand what true humility looks like, that freaks us out because when I say humility, what I really am thinking about is what you think of me, whether you think I'm humble or not. Or here's something that's worse, and I don't think I mentioned this last week. This is just for free, but what I think of me matters more to me than what God thinks of me. So I can secretly think I'm humble, and I could be miles away from being humble. But, but the Holy Spirit whispered in Moses' ear, write this down, and Moses was like, are you sure? Okay, you boss. Moses was very humble, the most humble man on the face of the earth. It's a different economy, it's a different type of humility. And we said this in our working definition that humility is just knowing your place in it all. So let me hazard a guess, okay, in work and in you know, family, if, if, if you're married, if you've got kids, if you've got friends, okay, did anybody have an opportunity after I preached about humility and pride last week to totally go home and screw the whole thing up? I did. Is there anybody out there that's too proud to put your hand in the air I'll bet, you, I'll bet you took an argument too far last week. I'll bet you said something that you regretted last week. You know when you're proud and you're in the middle of an argument, you'll do the dumbest thing that you can do, and you'll call it logic. That just It will make sense to you. Why? Because pride wants to be right, but humility wants truth to be right. So pride wants to win an argument, but humility in a humble person will want truth to win the argument, which means that a humble person, if you're truly humble, which we're not, we would stop ourselves in the middle of an argument and be like, you know what, you're right. I'm acting like a two-year-old, and I'm a bit embarrassed with myself. You know what, I said that, and that made no sense. Well, I'm just mad. I'm just not getting what I want. Okay. Too much? I'm preaching to other people, because apparently nobody here screwed up last week. We're going to talk about lying next week. Being a bunch of lying snakes. All right, hey, I want to say thank you, Venue Church, for being so easy to lead. You know, we, uh, we're changing our, our service time, if you haven't heard, to 10.30 a.m. We, we need to serve our city a little bit better in this regard, and so that's going to be awesome. But we rolled that out really, really quickly, and I was talking to a pastor friend of mine who had a church in the same similar thing, afternoon service, evening service, did the same thing, and he's just like, here, you know. 
There are some times he said that we roll things out and we take our time with them, but then there are other times that God wants to challenge your team and see if they're up to it. And I'm like, this is one of those times. <laughs> but everybody seems, and, and the more we get back, and I know they're scheduling stuff, but here's what I would say about your schedule. If your schedule doesn't work for Sunday mornings and it's been working for you in the evenings, why don't we take it to God? Because if it's God's idea for the church, then it'll be the best thing for you too. And he can work out your schedule. May you work for WestJet? Matt, God is still in charge of WestJet. He can work it out. Um, if there's somebody that you know that hasn't come to church just because of the time change, uh, we were talking with a, a gal out here that met us out here, and I'm like, hey, why don't you come to a venue? And she's like, well, I heard that you're changing the service to Sunday morning, and then I'll come because I got little kids, and you don't even want them at church at 6 o'clock at night. And so if there's somebody in your life that you've invited, but that was their barrier, let's invite them again, and then let's invite them again and invite them again. I think it takes about eight touches before somebody actually comes, but 80% of people come because they were invited by humans. Not necessarily because they saw it on the side of the road, but because they were personally invited. And so um, we're excited here. There's some changes coming up. Um, the, the city of Airdrie is, is paying for all new theater lighting. If you're just in the city of Airdrie, you need to come out to the next performance and see what they're going to do here. Because I think that's going to be rolling out uh, September. And September 9th is going to be our, our opening morning service, our first morning service. It's going to be incredible. So now here's the thing. I have a special guest speaker coming for you. Um, and we're going to make that our small group Sunday. And so what, um, if you've ever heard of Village Church in Surrey, crazy good church, crazy good church, what God is doing there. Pastor Ken Dick from Village Church in, in Surrey, uh, who, who created Freedom Session, which we are offering to you in the fall, um, starting the week after September 9th. And we've already got like, I think the equivalent of five small groups signed up for that. So, but there, we'll, we'll get you in if you want to get into that. But we're going to be opening up with talking about community and small groups. And the guy who created Freedom Session is going to be here on September 9th. And so, he sent me this nice, lovely, long email, said I'm going to be in Calgary. Because we were going to try to connect. I was supposed to be in Surrey, but then that got canceled. And then he, he said, well, I'm going to be in Calgary. You want me to come preach a venue? And I'm like, all right. Um, I love how the, the city has been blessing us with even things like these upgrades and stuff. It might cost us a little bit more, but I would rather do that than have to buy them, <laughs> honestly. But um, isn't it a blessing when the people around you are blessed because of you? Yeah. And the people, the city of Airdrie is blessed because of you and your uh, giving. We just recently bought some pipe and drape, which, which your offerings have paid for and in the last couple of months in the theater here. And so what we did, we said to the theater, hey, if you want to borrow them, you want to borrow our subs or whatever, you got a performance going on, just borrow them. We'll drop them off. If you're going to let us store these here, just use them anytime you want to. Like, they're paid for. Venue Church paid for them. And so I love that we can bless our city. And in fact, a percentage of the money that you give goes to blessing our city, directly to blessing our city. So, All right. Back to, to the proud thing. How content were you last week with your place in it all? 90% of the struggle in your life, and just, you know, I'm just throwing a random number out there. Studies done on my computer. No, not really, but I think that most of our struggle in our life comes from not knowing your place in it all, not being satisfied with it. So we talked last week about, you know, I give suggestions up and directives down, because if I'm responsible for children, then I get to order some things there and direct some things, but when I go up, it's a suggestion thing, and so guys have to figure this out at work, and girls have to figure this out at work and stuff, but sometimes in our relationships, it's just a power struggle. And we talked last week about musical chairs, but there's only one musical chair in your life, and it's way too big for you. And if you sit on there, your life is going to get all messed up, and you're going to start pulling other people up there and other things on there and pleasure and time. time. I mean, 
and hockey and dance and everything else that people do, and you're going to try to fill this giant chair up because there's only you on there and it's tiny, but God is just going to sit there because the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, and he's going to wait till you get your butt off that chair so that he can fill it. And then order the rest of your life, too. But you get yourself up there, and that's not a good thing. And so what, what humility does is it, it bows out of that situation and says, okay, God, you sit in the middle of my life. You order my life. You order my steps. What we're going to talk today is uh, in a sermon called Settle the Past. Did you know that you can't walk into tomorrow until yesterday has been settled? And here's what I would say. Some of you just survived your past. Somebody who came through Freedom Session the last time we did it said, I I was past my past, but I wasn't healed of it. I hadn't dealt with it, but I hadn't given every piece to God, and that's what Freedom Session will will do for you. Get involved in Freedom Session, small groups, a place where you can start taking the mask off and like, hey, here's who I really am, and here's what's really going on. That's what we're offering you at Venue Church. and It's not enough. You've got to go back and settle the past, and God has to own your past so that you can see where he was in all of that too, because that's some of the questions that we have. Sometimes you've got to go back and settle the past. When I was in grade five, I got in a fight with one of my best friends named Toby. His name was Toby Penner, and he was a ridiculous guy. I used to work with him later on job sites. You need one Toby Penner on every job site because he's just hilarious. I don't know if he ever did any work or not, but oh my goodness, he was just funny. And uh, Toby had been taking karate in grade five. And so I, I walked out to a, a playground. We, lived in, uh, we went to a little private rural school where we used to live when I was a kid. And I went out to the playground one recess, and there was a fight. Get the dynamics here. It's a little bit weird between a, a grade four boy and a grade six girl. So I'm like, this doesn't seem right. I don't know if there's any winners in here. And so, so I was trying to break them up. And Toby thought that I was um, picking on one of them. And with his recent karate training, he missed the, I don't know if he had a bad sensei, like, you know, karate kid. He's like, mess people up, be dishonorable and stuff. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Apparently his sensei, or he missed that part, missed the part where his sensei was just like, I'm breaking up this argument. The next thing I know, I'm on the ground, gasping for air like a fish. You just threw up on the beach. And I'm just, <gasps> he had come up behind me, and I didn't even see him coming, and he fly kicked me right in the back. Just do, 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 wham. <laughs> I mean, the cheap shot of cheap shots. Like Layden's tackle in me in soccer earlier today. But he slid into me. I was a little bit mad. I'm sorry for being a little bit mad, but. It was like that, but worse, because I knew that Layden was there and he was probably going to attack me. And he does this thing, and, and I grew up in a good Christian home, so I'm like, okay, what would Jesus do? I mean, that wasn't a thing at the time, but I was like, okay, I should probably do something that's like responsible and Jesus-like. And so I'm like, I'm going to walk around the school and cool off. <laughs> um, the school wasn't big enough for me to walk around and cool off, and by the time I came back, I was ready to go. And uh, Toby and I just, boom, we went to it, grade five. I can't remember the fight, although the next piece is like a scene missing, and I don't know if we're biting or scratching, or I don't know if there's any rules or not, but we went to it, right? And so the next thing I know, the, uh, the school principal is out there, and nobody's on the playground. And it's me and Toby, and the school principal is holding his like, two little cats trying to fight each other. It was just like, Rawr! 
And he's holding us apart, and it was like instant repentance. And I'm like, Toby, I'm so sorry, because back in the day, back in the day, you all don't know millennials, we used to get the strap. <laughs> and we didn't care about the strap at school. You could strap, strap us all you want at school, but when we went home, we saw Dad. <laughs> and Dad was Old Testament. <laughs> oh, you got a strap at school. That's not that. Tell me about it. Instant repentance. Sometimes if you repent hard enough, you know, like maybe, maybe the principal is going to forget about it. We thought we were getting the strap and we just like, we must have repented so quickly. And I think the principal was probably laughing because we're all bruised up. And anyways, we didn't get the strap that day. But, you know, something happened inside of me that day that I realized that I'm going to have to go out on the playground tomorrow. But if I don't settle the Toby account, I'm going to be fresh meat out there at the playground tomorrow. <laughs> I'm trying to tie it into my sermon here a bit. There's this fight that you have to do sometimes now. All teenage boys are like, yeah, dad, am I allowed to fight now? No, you're probably not allowed to fight. Things are a little bit different now. But what I would say is, what I would say is this. You have to settle your past. You have to let God into your past for you to actually reach your destiny tomorrow. It's not enough to survive it. It's not enough to get past it. You have to let God and the Holy Spirit get in every area of that past so that you can give all of those things to him which becomes a fresh start so that you can move on to your destiny. And I think every Christian, I think every Christian should go through freedom session. I honestly do. There's just so many questions that need to be settled and daddy issues. And I mean, there's just so many good things that God will do in your life through those things. But in the story of Moses leading Israel, we find that God wanted to settle something for Israel. Now, the 10 plagues have happened. And we move into Exodus chapter 12 and the, the 10 plagues have, or uh, however many plagues had already happened and and. Pharaoh is done. They had just all the firstborn. How many people know that if you come at the people of God long enough and you try to make slaves of the people of God, there is judgment that comes. See, God cannot be, we have this like baby Jesus that we kind of worship on Christmas time or something that we don't understand in Canada, but God cannot be righteous if he's not just. God cannot be holy if he lets all the sin go unpunished in the world. That does not make it good. A good God rewards good deeds and punishes bad deeds. And, and if you don't think that's true, try raising a child rewarding everything. Try having a dog rewarding everything. It doesn't work. And so here's the thing. For, for me to be just as a father, for me to be a good father, I have to also be just, which means there's punishment for sin. And sin was never God's plan because we screwed all of that up and whenever sin comes, death comes. But God is so holy that when we sin, what happens is it puts a, a barrier between us and God and we can't be together because what you know, accord does light have with darkness? And so God saw the problem and he sent Jesus down. You want to talk about the author of humility, right down into your mess to save you from your sins. He didn't need to do that. He could have been like, oh, I'll just make more. But he loved you so much that he sent his own son to die on the cross for you. But that whole redemption story that God wants to do in your life, when you, and you get saved, you get baptized, and you start moving in through freedom session, and, and then getting involved in small groups, and whatever it is that God wants you to do, it's very, you can walk through the whole um, uh, children of Israel leaving, uh, leaving Egypt, and eventually going into the promised land. It's the same things that happen along the way. So this...
All right, are we good? Okay. Maybe give me a spare too, just in case. Um, Sometimes, you know, the technical stuff goes wrong because God wants you to have something and the devil's got some sort of power out there. Don't tell me you've never been distracted on the way to church. You probably fought on the way here. Let me just hazard a guess if I could. Um, So this is what happens to the children of Israel. In Exodus 12, it says, Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Now, Pharaoh's firstborn son had just died, and the firstborn sons of, because God kept warning him, like, hey, you got to stop this, you got to stop this, you got to stop, let my people go, let my people go. And so he ordered, leave my people, get out, leave my people. He's finally saying to Moses and Aaron, and take the rest of the Israelites with you, go and worship the Lord as you've requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said, and be gone. Go, but bless me. As you leave, did you know that the city, your city needs the blessing of the churches? If the church blesses you, then you're blessed by God. That's how it works. You want to treat the the church, you want to treat the people doing good in the community well, so that God can bless you. It says, take your flocks and herds as you have said and be gone. Go, but bless me as you leave. See, first, what Pharaoh, who's kind of indicative of of the devil and, and trapping you in sin, first he said, okay, Tell you what, Moses, um, the plagues are coming and things are not getting good for us. So you can go, but just don't go too far. The devil doesn't really care if you get baptized as long as you come back. You return right back to Egypt. He doesn't care. Yeah, go out for a day or two. Moses said, no, we need to go out three days. You need to separate yourself from that old life. No, we actually go out. And then then Pharaoh said, "Um, well, okay, but just the men. Because if I still got some of you, you got to come back too. And I got all of you. Which means anybody who doesn't want to leave Egypt with you, leave them in Egypt. Take as many people as you can, but you need to get out when you need to get out. And then the next thing was very interesting. He said, okay, but leave all your flocks and herds back here. Leave all your stuff. Because if your stuff is still in the world, you'll be back. And Moses said, no, we got to take our stuff to sacrifice to God. Sometimes what happens is you come in, you get your sins forgiven, but you won't part with your stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, you can leave Egypt, but Egypt hasn't left you. You can leave Egypt, but there's still a piece of Egypt in you. Why? Because it's got your stuff, your heart. The, the Bible says, where your heart is there, your treasure will be also, which means if, if, you're not, if you spent more on coffee for yourself in the, in the last month, your heart is with you. Congratulations. That's what every Canadian does. If you haven't given a cent to your local church for the work that God is doing here, and because God commands it, like, don't say that your heart is here. No, it's not. So if your stuff, that was for free, by the way. All the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible, for they thought, we will all die. That night, the people of Israel left Ramses and started for Succoth. There were about 600,000 men, plus all the women and children. So we're talking about a massive people, 600,000, just the men, plus all the women and children. Exodus 13, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Very interesting. God said if the people are faced with battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. And I'm going to explain the map here at the end of the, when I've done the scripture reading. What he was saying there is, look, okay, you've just been baptized. Now you've got to build some muscle here. And so it says he turned them back. The shortest road to get to the blessing and to your destiny, you're not ready for. Can I just say if God would tell you the end result of 10 years of hard work, would you do the 10 years of hard work? I wouldn't. I'd be right there, man. I'm all impatient. Let's do it. Let's skip all the character building years. I don't want to shovel snow. 
Just take me to spring, God. But what happens is there's a, there's a difference, and I'm talking to somebody here, there's a difference between being a freed slave and a soldier who can fight. A freed slave only sacrifices for himself or herself. A soldier sacrifices in a very different regimented way of obedience. And a soldier of Jesus is very different than somebody who's been freed from sin. That is a growth process that takes some time. That is a sanctification process that takes some time. When none of your stuff is in Egypt anymore. When you can follow and take orders. In fact, this whole generation we're talking about, congratulations, they got saved. They wandered the wilderness for 40 years. And every single one of them died except for Joshua and Caleb. So you you got to make a choice. Some people don't make that decision. Like, I'm going to be a soldier of Christ. Well, then it's going to cost you. Then you're going to get some scars. And it's not going to be about you. It's going to be about the people that are around you. It's very different. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness to the Red Sea. Has anybody been on like a roundabout way in their lives? Wow, these things keep coming up. Exodus 14, then the Lord gave instructions to Moses, order the Israelites to turn back. I feel like this is for somebody. It's time to turn back. You keep going out here, the road is blocked. You need to turn back. And camp by Paya Hiroth, between Migdal and the sea. Camp, I practiced that word, I actually listened to it. And practiced that. That went pretty well. Thank you. This one, my mom used to come in. He used to come in and be like, notice anything new? I'd be like, oh, you know, like, is it a dress? Is it a birthday? Is it a nice haircut? I got one of those one time. She's like, yeah, you noticed. I'm like, I always notice. I'm like, I'll take it. Listen, camp by the shore. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They're trapped in the wilderness. Now, you're going to feel trapped when God turns you back. That's just how you're going to feel, and I need to tell you that. Once again, he said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. What? Oh, you didn't know that was part of the deal. And he will chase after you. No, no, no. We don't want that. (laughs) I have planned this. I have planned this. You know, there's only grace to be in the middle of God's plan for your life. There's no grace to go anywhere else. There's no grace for disobedience. Your life will be hard. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. As they were told. That door is incredibly squeaky. (laughs) And needs to be solved immediately. As they were told. If you're somebody who doesn't like to do as you are told... You might miss the experience that's coming for them. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done? Letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. Uh, This is like reverse repentance here. They were actually doing the right thing, and then they repented and went back to not doing the right thing. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. Catch that. When you get baptized, you come out of the water, your fists are raised in defiance. Okay, these people's fists were raised in defiance. Like, yeah, we are free. We are finally, we are leaving Egypt. We are plundering Egypt. And now we are finally free. And yet this weird thing happens that God hardens Pharaoh's heart so he comes after them. Because there's something that's not settled. 
The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pi, Hi, uh, whatever, across from this other place. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord. Have you ever panicked when the past starts catching up with you? I have. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid to stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Come on. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. So sometimes it's like, I'm like, oh, the people I'm pastoring, there's, there's so much mess and there's so much sin in their lives. And sometimes God is just like, well, get them into a small group. They can start taking the mask off there. Tell them to get moving. Do something. That'll preach. Spurgeon says, There is a favorite sin of which he has long been guilty. He's talking of a man. He does not give it up. But he says that he will pray about it. God says to such a man, Wherefore criest thou out unto me? Give up thy sin. This is not a matter for thee to pray about, but to repent of. Yeah. Oh God, help me overcome this addiction. Help me overcome it. Help me overcome it. Help me overcome. God's like, small group. Freedom session. Repent. Do something. Turn around and walk in the other direction. Do something. I'm addicted to... Take your laptop and throw it down the stairs. Do something. It's tripping me up. I have a right. I have... Then stay addicted. Oh, you think I'm being hard on you. Try freedom session. There's a little hatred in my heart for Pastor Ken. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'm like, I said out loud during freedom session I went through last year. I'm like, Pastor Ken, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. It was good and I got free. That's what I want for you. Every one of you. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night and turned the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea when... All the Israelites have reached the other side. The Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and their charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. Just give me a minute here because what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is that not a single piece of Egypt survives in you. Not a single thing that you look over your shoulder and say that thing could catch up with me. Why? Because it's out in the open and it's confessed and it's dealt with and Jesus is healing you of that. And he's bringing you into community to see that that doesn't happen anymore. To break that chain that's been going on in generation after generation in your family. 
the hard part is realizing that God wants to turn you back. You see, the map that they were fleeing from, they had fled from kind of, the Red Sea is this body of water, and then there's this, this kind of fork, and this, this left arm of the Red Sea that goes up here, and they had fled across the top of that from Egypt, and they were coming, in, and in between, there's this other arm over here, and there's, in the middle of that is just wilderness. And they had just made it, just about made it past this upper arm over here, but that's leading through Philistine territory. And God knew that they would go right back to Egypt if they had to fight. And so he turned them back into the wilderness and told them to camp by the sea. Now the pharaohs, they were like rats in a trap. But it was still God's plan because God knew that he had to settle Pharaoh and his army and the Egyptians forever. Because as long as they were out there, the Pharaoh would still act, he owned them. Pharaoh would still act like they For reals. Yeah, bring me another mic. Thanks so much. I'm just getting all worked up. <laughs> Not going to stop me, though. There are four basic human needs that Venue Church is built around. The first one is that you need to know God. Our worship experiences are about knowing God. Know God's power when God gets bigger in our worship experience. Your problems get smaller. You stop thinking about yourself so much. You start thinking about God and his kingdom and who you can help. And, and then he starts, you'll never find your purpose without helping somebody find their purpose. That's how you do it. So you need to find God. The second thing you need to do is find freedom. The third thing you need to do is you need to build influence. You build influence by getting better. Because there's an impact in the world that God wants you to make. The fourth thing that you need to do is change the world around you. But you cannot change the world around you if you don't know God. Some of you have been putting off a conversation with God for years. I'm just feeling it. My dad, when he came back to God, he said, I knew that I had to come back and have a hard conversation. Some of you, that's your story right now. You need to know God. You can come to the care corner afterwards. Somebody will pray with you and hear your story. And you can give your life to God or back to God. The second thing you need to do is find freedom. And that's what we have venue groups here for. That mask off. You start taking your mask off so that God can finally deal with it. But nearly every pattern in your life is connected to something not dealt with in your past. See, pride wants to win, but humility wants the truth to win. And I feel by the Spirit of God that He's telling somebody today, look, you need to settle the past. Even if you don't think you have much baggage, it is still informing your decision-making right now. You need to go back and you need to settle it once and for all. I need to turn you back by the hard road, camp you by the sea for about 20 weeks. I'm setting you up, Pastor Ken. You better be listening to this. And then in eight weeks of like abundant living after that. But what God wants to do is settle those questions once and for all in your life. Get involved in a small group. Start... You're never going to get through these things. You're never going to be able to walk into your tomorrow until you settle your yesterday. And if there's something bringing your heart that you just need to talk to somebody about tonight, come to our care corner. We will help you out. We will listen. We will pray. If you've never told somebody something that's just been burning a hole in your heart for years and years and years, it's time. Tonight, the, the grace of God and the Spirit of God is here because we need to lift up God. And when, when we're obedient to turn back and start dealing with some of these things, then listen, listen. Pharaoh's army becomes God's problem. You will never beat Pharaoh's army, man. You're just a ragtag bunch of slaves, and he's got 600 chariots. But now Pharaoh's army becomes God's problem. Your addictions become God's problem. 
Your greed and your lust and your pride, our greed, they become God's problems when we turn back and we deal with these things once and for all. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I ask for grace and for mercy and truth for every person here that you would begin to make us humble so that we could care that the truth wins out. Not that we win in an argument, but that the truth wins in an argument. This truth that you want to speak in into every life right now, Father, and courage that you want them to take up. And, and Father, I pray that there would be people signing up at the box office for small groups right after this. Very practical steps, very necessary steps. But I pray that the person that you have turned back to deal with some of these things would find courage in the Lord their God tonight. That you're doing this, but it doesn't make sense. They should have just kept going. They should have just, rather than have to cross the Red Sea where they were camped and where they thought they were trapped, but that's where the miracle was. Father, I pray for every person. There is a miracle waiting for every person tonight. The beginning of a miracle. If they will turn back to deal with these things once and for all, repent of these things once and for all, get healing for these things once and for all, but it's our pride that keeps us back. And I pray, Father, we would stop arguing with you and give you the seat in our lives and say, okay, if this is where you want me to go, then let's go there. But I do know, Father, in my own life and the lives of so many people that I've watched that when we turn back to deal with the past and have you deal with the past, that Pharaoh's army becomes your problem and our addictions and our pride becomes your problem. And the things in our lives right now that are not working and that we are sinning in and that we are not getting right, Father, the people we are hurting, well, then those situations and those things inside of us that keep repeating themselves, they become your problem. And God, as we lift you up tonight, I pray that you would start breaking chains off of people and off of their lives and off of their minds and off of their emotions and off of their will, Father. That people would start lifting up the name of Jesus tonight because you are an unstoppable God. And, but Father, we need to be obedient and in the place of blessing. And when we're in the place of blessing, Father, you can come in and you can shift things and you can shift what? You can heal somebody of the pain of a lifetime in a month if you want to. You can do anything because you are God and we are not God and we need your miracle working power in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.